0: Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Well, good morning, Refuge. So glad that you could join us online this morning. Uh, I have a message that I'm sharing with you that I believe is going to be vital for the season we are in right now. And so I'm going to just begin with a word of prayer right from the start as we Look to God to really seek him in this moment. Thank you, Father. Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor for the opportunity to share your word. We thank you, Father, for truth that liberates, that sets free those that are bound. Father, we thank you for giving us understanding. I trust the Holy Spirit to guide me as I share your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you've had a good week. We know that life itself brings so many challenges, but we are comforted knowing that we have somebody that will never leave us or forsake us. And so we're thankful for the presence of God in the life of God that we share in him. Uh, This morning's message is entitled Reconciliation, A Time to Heal. And I believe it's relevant for what is going on in the nation right now. And so I trust that as I bring this message that you truly connect with the heart of God and the love of God as we show. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 3, says there's a time to heal. And I believe this is a time for healing in our nation. You may be experiencing something where you need healing in your personal life, maybe even physically. This is, I believe, a time to heal. But when we look at reconciliation, we're going to kind of unwrap that and, and show what that is and what that looks like in light of what's happening today. The scripture tells us in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it speaks of Jesus' earthly ministry and and one of the things that God had called him to do. And it reads, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, we know that Jesus is the healer. He proved that through the signs and wonders he performed on this earth. But I believe this is also speaking of his ministry in our lives today, because he was, is, and always will be our healer. And so when we look at oppression, when we look at all the things that are happening in this world, Jesus is the one that brings healing. And so that's very important as we begin this message we also understand that Jesus is not only the author, but the giver of life. And we know in John fourteen six, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. But we also see an important passage in relation to what I'm going to share in John 10, verse 10, which reads, the thief, that's in reference to the enemy, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus goes on to say, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. We see a contrast of two mission statements, the mission statement of the devil and the mission statement of Jesus Christ. Such contrast. Now, realize that if you've suffered injury and if you are in need of healing, after blows may be inflicted and there's injury, there must be a time to heal. After surgery or trauma that you may experience in any form, uh, there is a recovery time. And so we understand that. As the church, as believers in Jesus Christ, we cannot be silent about what's going on in our nation right now. We really can't. We also cannot be a voice that creates a deeper division because so often that can be the case. But we must be a voice of hope and encouragement that can point people to Jesus. Because my desire for anyone that ever tunes in or listens to me as a preacher is that they encounter the love of God. Because I personally believe, and I've said this many times, that the love of God and an encounter with his love is the greatest transformation power that can change your life. And I, I believe that to be true. Now, there's a scripture in Revelation 6, and, and our mission statement at Refuge is we believe that all people matter to God, that we find authentic hope, purpose through Jesus. And and in Revelation 14, 6, we see that God is concerned about every human being, regardless of where they're born, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their race, and we see that very clearly in many places in Scripture, but this one in particular, I think is significant. Revelation 14, 6, again, it reads, Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead. This is a reference to the end times. With an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. So that's all inclusive. Now, we realize that there's a heavy cloud that's hanging over a nation right now of grief, of sadness, and mourning over, over recent events that have taken place. And my heart, like yours, is is broken over these issues. And I think when we read in the, in the book of Jeremiah, we see him as a prophet. He wept over the condition of his nation at the time when he was writing and, and ministering to his people. And so we too can can share that grief that morning together as a nation. Now, the nation has witnessed the violent death of George Floyd, his brutal, unjustified, cruel, and senseless murder by an officer who actually failed in his duty to uphold the law has brought this nation to a place of prayer. It's a wake up call. And we certainly mourn the death of George Floyd, and we pray for his family. And if you are in any place like me, I'm so grieved at this course of events, and then we see all that's happening, and I believe it's a wake-up call. It really is. I said that, but it's important to understand that. There's a quote by Benjamin Franklin that I think is very significant in addressing what we're seeing It says, justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. That's why I believe it's a wake-up call, because this is affecting people like no other time with such injustice. But I believe, as we look at this whole situation and perspective, there's another pandemic that has resurfaced that has overshadowed COVID-19. And it's a pandemic that has been present for generations in our culture that is a disease of the heart called racism. Now, such injustice has afflicted the generation since the very beginning of time. In the book of Genesis, we see where Cain murdered his brother Abel Racial hatred and discrimination are more than just glaring social instances or injustices. They're also a direct affront to God and an insult to the entire human race. Racism runs directly counter to everything the gospel represents. Racism has a generational impact upon society And we're facing two difficult issues. And they're different issues, but they're really not different. They're the same. Social injustice and hostile reaction. But in reality, it's the same issue that has not been properly addressed. Generational impact can be positive or negative. I know personally, in my life, in my family, when we came to know Christ... It made a shift generationally where now my children are walking with God and my grandchildren are being raised up in the things of God. So generational impact is significant. So what we do to impact the generations is so important. And the love of God, I believe, in an encounter with the love of God will have the greatest impact upon this generation that it affected for generations to come. Racism is really a sin of the heart. It's a heart issue. Jesus died on the cross to redeem men and women of every race, every color, and every ethnic background. He lives today to affirm the infinite value of all people, regardless of nationality, regardless of race, development, appearance, or ability. And that brings us to this thing called reconciliation. Because the God we serve reconciles us to himself, which allows us to be reconciled to one another. Now, that's a big word and big term. I want to explain it. The word reconcile simply means to restore friendly relations between or cause to coexist in harmony. It's to settle or resolve. So whatever issues, whatever indifferences there are, it's bringing both sides together in harmony. Reconciliation is the end of estrangement caused by our original sin, uh, the sin of Adam in the garden. It's also restoring man's relationship with God. Reconciliation is to be restored in a life-giving relationship with God and with one another. See, we must be reconciled to God so we can be reconciled with man. And that word also, reconciliation, means to be restored to favor, to bring again into right relationship. We realize that reconciliation is actually God's idea, and it's also our calling. And I want you to get a hold of that. It's God's idea, but it's our calling. And I want you to look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. And I believe this scripture really addresses this whole subject. Many passages throughout the Bible address it, but we want to focus in particular on this one. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 through 20 confirms that we're called to a ministry of reconciliation. Let's read this. Starting in verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. In other words, you're brand new. You have a new life. It goes on to say, The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There's a fresh start. You begin to live life in a different way. Verse 18 states, All this is from God. Understand that. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself. In other words, brought us back into favor with himself through Christ, restored us in right relationship with himself through Christ. And it goes on to say, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So guess what? It didn't stop with the work of Christ to reconcile us. That's where it began. But that work of reconciliation works through us to our fellow brothers and sisters, to our fellow men. Now, it goes on to say in verse 19, because it explains this ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You know what that simply means? If God's not counting your trespasses against you, it simply means God's not mad at you. He's not upset with you because he's not going to let your sin stand in the way of restoring the relationship. Through the beauty of the cross, he was able to separate man from his sin so that he could judge the sin and save the sinner. That's the beauty of Reconciliation. And it's it's amazing when we begin to grasp this and then realize we've been entrusted with that ministry. See, we are the image bearers of Christ in this earth. Therefore, reconciliation is not an effort to be made, but it's our calling to be lived out. Going on in verse 20, 2 Corinthians 5.20, it goes on to say, and I love this, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You know what that means? That means as an ambassador, we represent Christ. And I think a plague among Christianity is misrepresentation of Jesus. In my life, there's times I've misrepresented Jesus. I have failed as an ambassador, but my heart and desire is to represent Jesus for all that he is and all that he does so that when people see my example, they'll connect with Jesus because I'm going to point them to Jesus through my life, through my witness, through my testimony, and through my encouragement for them to be reconciled to God. Be restored in right relationship. And I say that to anyone that doesn't know Jesus. Be restored in right relationship with him because God's not considering your sin anymore. He's, he put that on the cross with Jesus. That price has been paid. But all you have to do is freely receive and accept the gift of eternal life and be restored in right relationship with him. Now, I believe... Um, When we look at this in light of the role of the church in this season, we need to be advocates as reconcilers in this time of turmoil and conflict. Dr. Tony Evans, in his book, gives a reference of a conversation between Dr. Billy Graham and an interviewing network. Dr. Graham was asked, if you could eradicate any problem in America, what would it be? Dr. Graham answered very quickly and very directly as he replied, the racial division and strife in our nation. We realize that racism doesn't exist because of social differences, it exists because there's sin in the heart of man. Racism is a sin issue, not a social issue. Therefore, the body of Christ should lead the way in every reconciliation effort and set the standard for spiritual and social healing in our nation. Racism, by definition, is hatred toward someone that God created. Racism is the belief that someone is superior to another, to another individual whom God created. It is being prejudiced toward someone God created and is a blatant sin against God himself. So why must reconciliation happen? First of all, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Reconciliation confronts and defeats hypocrisy. Romans 12, 9 says, let love be genuine without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Secondly, reconciliation confronts and defeats self-righteousness. Romans 2.11 states, there is no favoritism with God. Believing that one race is better than another is self-righteousness. Thirdly, reconciliation encourages the body of Christ to freely obey the Great Commission. It really does. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, the scripture says, go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. The word nations in that passage refers to diverse ethnic groups throughout the world. Also, number four, reconciliation encourages the body of Christ to obey the great commandment that we see Jesus speaking about in John 13:34 and 35 and Jesus stated a new commandment i give to you that you love one another just as i have loved you you are also to love one another now it's amazing to think about loving other people just like god loves us you might say i can't do that that's impossible let me tell you, it is possible because Jesus gave us the command to do it. Realize that when we see a command in Scripture, that is the authority or the permission to do what the instruction of the Word says. So the Word itself empowers you to live that command out. And the reason being is when you are born of the love of God, when you receive the love of God, you receive the capacity to love as Jesus loves And every Christian has that capacity. The the choice is, are they going to love out of that capacity, or are they going to draw from the human ability and the human strength? Our humanity falls short of the love of God, but God's love is in us. The Scripture says we are literally born of his love. The love of God is resident in every believer. Verse 35 goes on to say, And this is where people identify who we are as a follower of Christ. It says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. In other words, your love is the proof that you're a true disciple and follower of Jesus. Now, reconciliation, I kind of lost count. I think this is number five. Reconciliation also honors God's design. Acts chapter 17, verse 26 states, And he made from one man, that's Adam, every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. It was God's design that all of humanity be created from one man's blood. We're all connected, we're all related. And then finally, Reconciliation honors God's redemptive plan for all people. Revelation 5, 9 states, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, that's speaking of Jesus, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Guess what? God's redemptive plan includes people from every ethnic group. I love going on mission trips. I like taking teams of people from the church to Africa, to Central America, to Mexico, for them to experience the diversity of another culture, to encounter people that don't speak the same language, that live in a different way. It's amazing. It is life-changing when we have the ability to interact with other cultures, with other races and other ethnic groups. So I want to bring this message to close as we pray, and we want to pray for this nation. As we wrestle with what's happening in America right now, remember that Jesus died for all, and I emphasize the word all, and he loves all. All yet do not know him. All yet have not received him. And all of us who have received him are still learning to put the flesh to death daily so that his spirit can live in and through us. Now maybe you are one that feels you've experienced injustice. Maybe you feel that you have the right to hate to despise, to seek justice. But realize that your pain is not bigger than God's presence and what his presence can do in your life if you receive him. See, we may ask the question, how do I forgive? I've been wronged. How do I forgive? Well, if we're asking someone to repent, you can't ask them to repent without being ready to forgive them for the offense. And as we cry out for repentance and call people to repentance, we must be ready also then to forgive. At this time, we want to pray. And there's actually two elements of this prayer. The first element of this prayer is a believer's prayer which is an invitation for those of you that may not have made a meaningful commitment to Jesus Christ. And what does a meaningful commitment look like? It's simply you surrendering and acknowledging before God that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And you recognize and identify that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and that he was raised from the dead to give you eternal life as a gift. He Bearing your sins, bearing your shame, taking the penalty and the judgment that you should have received. Because we're all guilty and we're all condemned and stand condemned because of our sin. But Jesus came along and he did something about our sin. As I said earlier, through the cross, he separated man from his sin, taking that penalty upon himself. In your place, he died so you could live. And so we call this a believer's prayer, so feel free to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I approach you on the basis of faith. I come before you and I acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I acknowledge that I need forgiveness in my life. I repent from my sins, and I give my heart to you. Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I receive you by faith now. Make my life what you want it to be. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your peace. Help me in this moment and the days to come as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart, according to God's word, the Bible says you are a new creation in Christ, as we read earlier. Old things pass away. It's like you get a fresh start, and you begin to experience God's love in a whole new way. Our encouragement for you is to find a Bible, get a Bible. If you need a Bible, we can send you one but begin to read the scriptures. Start in the Gospel of John. And there's a place where you can connect if you made that decision today online with us, and we'll reach out to you to help you in your new walk with God as you begin to journey with him. So we also want to pray for our nation right now. And I think every time we come before God in prayer, we always need to look at ourselves. And we need to humble ourselves before him, as the scripture says, if we humble ourselves before him, as the scripture says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. We find that in Second Chronicles 7 14. So join with me as we pray in agreement. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. And humility, And Father, we ask that you bring to light areas in our life where we've been indifferent, where we've been insensitive, where we may have added to the problem that our nation is facing. Father, we ask that you change us and that you use us to be an agent of change in this world, to encourage and build up others around us, To live this life in Christ as a witness to truly demonstrate and express his love to the world around us. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father, for helping us to be peacemakers in a world at war. To be those, Father, that can encourage and strengthen others and love others as you love them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we want to thank you so much for joining us this morning online. And at this time, we're going to close with another worship song. God bless you, and we'll see you soon. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.